Welcome to Leading the Way with Dr. Michael Youssef. Today, special guest host Eric Metaxas continues his conversation with Dr. Youssef about the brand new book that Dr. Youssef wrote called The Third Jihad. Now, last time you heard the intriguing background of radical Islam and the shocking impact it's having on world governments today. Today, we invite you to drop into a challenging discussion that will encourage you to stand up against the currents in our culture. They're quickly moving us further away from the biblically-based government of the Constitution to one that welcomes Islam into our daily lives. Listen with me. I was in Europe, and this is the thing just literally brought me out of my seat. At the same week that the Supreme Court of Pakistan had exonerated a woman who for eight years being in death row accused of insulting Islam. They set her free. That same week, the European Supreme Court has ruled that it is a crime to insult Islam or the prophet of Islam. The European Supreme Court, at the same week, I said, this is the most amazing thing that I've ever seen in my 70-year lifetime. But see, this is why, I mean, this is my passion, and it's why uh, I wanted to talk to you about this today, because my passion is to communicate to everyone I can the values of the scripture and the values of the founders of the United States of America, all those values come out of the scripture. And even those founders, not all of those founders were theologically orthodox historical Christians. But even Benjamin Franklin and Thomas Jefferson understood that without these fundamental biblical values, you can never have American-style self-government and freedom. It's not possible. Absolutely. And at the core of that is a number of ideas, one of them being freedom of expression, freedom of speech. So the idea that in Europe... Mm they would say it is illegal to express hostility toward Islam or the founder of Islam. In other words, in Europe, they have thrown free speech speech under the bus. Exactly. And this is what, it's the canary in the coal mine. (laughs) If a a government throws free speech under the bus, effectively, you are racing toward the end of freedom in Great Britain. I mean, this is chilling to hear this. Well... That's why several of my British friends that day were saying, you know, we're glad we're going to exit the European Union because that would have been the law of the land in England. So if I write an article in the paper and I would say something that happened to be the truth about the foundation and founding of Islam, it doesn't matter if it is the truth or not. To them, if it's an insult, if somebody comes in and says it's insulting to me, that person goes six months in jail. So, so everyone in the European Union is under this law. That's exactly. Okay, now speaking yeah. as, a, as a proud Greek, you know, my father's from Greece, we go every year. Yeah. Now, Greece is traditionally uh, a very Orthodox, Christian, yeah. Greek Orthodox country. Yeah, right. And you're telling me that because they're in the EU... Yep. There's a law now in Greece right. that they cannot say something negative against the prophet of Islam. Yeah, and it is by the Supreme Court of Europe so that there be no other recourse. You have, I, I, it becomes the law of the European Union. This is the end of everything we have believed in. In other words, if you have laws like this already now, right. I mean, I, I really almost can't believe it, sure. in Europe... Yeah imposed by unelected officials in Brussels over yeah. every citizen within the European Union, yeah. this is, the, the, it's like they've pulled 
the pin on the grenade. Yep. It is over. Yep. And when I hear this, I think to myself, who will stand up? Well, who will stand up in Europe? And will Americans understand that we're on the verge of this here? This is chilling to me. I mean, you, you know that I'm being very serious and, here. And this one is of the reasons chilling. Is, is Brussels itself is 25% of the population are Muslims. And they're very vocal. And therefore, any decision that is made is made with that in mind. If we don't do this, would they rise and start killing and bombing? would be terrorism. So all the decisions are made out of fear in the European Union. And uh, in many ways, it could have happened in England, but so many of my British friends are so glad that this is not the case, or hopefully will not be the case once they exit the, the European Union. But nonetheless, the Sharia court's proliferation in England is alarming. I used to say, oh, there's 80 courts and one lady who's very prominent, knows her stuff. She said, no, Michael, it is 180 Sharia courts in England today. And so, you know, I don't want to alarm people to, for the sake of alarming. I just want God's people to stop praying and get this thing seriously. I just heard an agnostic woman from England came here, gave lectures. She was on Fox News. Then she went and gave a major lecture. And she said, I am here to warn you, Americans, do not follow our footsteps because in England we have no way back. And I'm hoping that you do not emulate us, but it may be too late for them and well, us. Well, first of all, we know as brothers in Christ, it's only by the grace of God that Amen. we can prevail. Yeah. And it has only been by the grace of God in the past that freedom has prevailed. Exactly. Let's face it, sure. 1776 never should have succeeded. Yeah. Uh, the Civil War uh, never should have succeeded. I mean, when we think how we have had existential crises in the past and God's grace even with uh, 600,000 deaths in the Civil War. We've had these battles before, and by God's grace, we've prevailed. But it's a battle. It is a battle. And I think the question is, do we have the will to fight? Yeah. When you talk about the third jihad, yeah. this is a fight whether we want it or not. A jihad is war. Yep. And I guess my question is, will Americans be willing to tear themselves away from their comfort to see that there's a rifle pointed at your children's head. Yep. And if you're unwilling to see it, it's still there. Yeah. I mean, this is what you have talked about. Yeah. This is real. When you have the end of free speech, when you, have, you, you just spoke about um, in Brussels and in other countries in Europe and also in England, there's fear motivating the leaders. Yep. They don't take in, uh, is her name, Azia Bibi from Bibi. Pakistan. That's you right. just mentioned her. Yeah. Why? That's right. Because they're afraid. Yes. Of violence. Exactly. As if they don't have police. Yeah. As if they don't have rules. Yeah. It's already over. Yeah. They knew the, if, uh, even in England. And I asked some of the politicians, why can't you bring her in here? He said, Michael, you don't understand. <laughs> the Pakistani Islamist community is going to be up in arms and we're going to have demonstrations like we've never seen before. But the woman was exonerated by the Pakistani, all Muslim judges, Supreme Court, fear is now dominating. Now that all the denial in the world is not going to change that. Fear has worked. It really well, worked. I mean, let, let's put it more provocatively. Fear has worked and it is cowardice that is the issue. In other words, it's not just a lack of courage. We call it cowardice. Yeah. In other words, you have leaders unwilling to lead, yeah. unwilling to sacrifice. Now you expect riots in Pakistan. Yeah. Pakistan is a mess. Yep. The rule of law, all those things that yeah. we've had in the West, yeah. they don't have them. It's a horror. Anything can happen. Yeah. But in England, yeah. 
to think that these values have so infiltrated that the English are afraid yeah. of doing the right thing because of riots. Yeah. And I, I think to myself, there is no leadership. The question is, will someone arise in each of those countries and in this country who will say, yeah. we're not going to stand for it? Well, my wife and a colleague, three of us meeting with a very prominent businessman, highly prominent businessman, a Christian. And I was pouring my heart out and I'm explaining to him what's happening and he knows what's happening. And then he looked at me and said, Michael, because you're the most fearless person I've ever met, don't think that we are all like that. And I said, well, it's not a matter of I'm fearless. It's, it's a matter of, you know, are you going to sell out the truth? Are you going to keep quiet about the truth? Because if you do, it won't be very long. It won't be decades. It will be just years before that. Uh, because fear is contagious. We know that. And this fear is of the enemy. It's not from God. It, even the Apostle no, I mean, Paul. And bo they're both contagious. Cow cowardice is contagious. Yeah. Fear is contagious. But also courage is contagious. Yes. So if someone will speak up and stand up, other people around them see it. Yeah. I mean, it happened with Bonhoeffer. It happened with... When someone has courage, others respond. Yeah. I, I lay this at the feet, not just of the elected leaders right. who have an unfortunate history of cowardice, but at the pastors of America, oh my goodness, they yes. are meant to be the prophets of God, yep. speaking to the people of God. Yeah. They don't talk about this. No, they are more concerned about their own popularity. And I say that with grief and heartache inside of me, not, not in any uh, joy at all. But I, I say that with deep sorrow that you're exactly right. And uh, the pastors now have said, well, you know, we need to love everybody. Of course we love everybody. Loving doesn't stop the truth from being proclaimed. The truth is the truth is the truth. Now, we proclaim it lovingly. We don't go out and kill people and say, you got to believe. No, of course not. But don't be quiet about the truth. Speak it and speak it in love, but speak it boldly. So I agree with you 100%. I mean, I have to say that it, it breaks my heart when I think of how many pastors will never touch this issue for fear of many things. Yeah. And it seems to me the only solution to everything, and you brought this up earlier as we were talking, is revival yeah. in America. Yeah. Revival in Jesus so that the people of God will be on fire for Him right. and will live for Him. Otherwise, you really have a dead church. Mm. Well, will God send us a revival? Um, I don't know. I have prayed for revival for years and years. And I may or may not see it in my lifetime, but nonetheless, I think you're right. That is the only hope. That is the only answer. But God will respond with a revival to faithfulness on the part of his children. If his children become faithful in prayer and faithful in giving and faithful in interceding and faithful in standing up and, and, and be counted, um, God will respond. But God looks and said, well, you know, you, you enjoy your entertainment and your sports. And uh, most people, and I found that out, that is a common thing among Christians uh, in the West particularly, you know, come to church late and leave early, and they think they've done their thing. I mean, that kind of attitude Jesus calls lukewarm. He said, I wish you were hot or cold because I'm ready to spit you out. And so it is my plea 
with the believers. I'm speaking to the choir. I'm speaking to the believers. <laughs> Somebody said to me, you're preaching to the choir. Yes, I want to say to the choir, stop practicing and get out and sing. <laughs> and we, we've been sitting in the back room practicing, practicing, practicing. Now it is time to get out and start performing. It's funny. I remember um, my hero and became my friend. And, you know, Chuck Colson used to speak about certain things. And I remember thinking, oh, I'm glad he's speaking about this because I don't want to speak about <laughs> this. He's he's got it. He's got yeah. it, you know. Yeah. And uh, even before he passed away, yeah. when I wrote my book on Bonhoeffer, I realized God is saying, no, yeah. you must speak out. Right. If every Christian understands that it's our duty to speak out, yeah. it becomes infinitely easier for our fellow Christians right. to speak out. Yeah. In other words, if, if everybody understands if you really believe in Jesus, mm. you have to stand for the truth and you have to be unafraid of the cost yeah. because God commands us to trust him. Amen. And I really do think that this is what happened in the church in Germany. You had a lot of people, they went to church. They said, oh, I'm, I'm a Lutheran. Yeah. Luther invented Protestant Christianity. Shoot. I'm a German. Yeah. I'm a Lutheran. And he taught grace, which means I don't really have to do anything. Right. It's all grace. Yeah. Well, that's actually not true. Yeah. To get saved, yeah. there's grace. grace. Right. But God says, once you're saved, right. I want everything mm -hmm. from you. That's right. And the Germans refused to be politically incorrect in their day and to right. speak up against Nazism, yeah. even when it was easy in the beginning yes. and it got tougher and tougher and tougher. And Chuck Colson talked about the spiral of silence, that yeah. the less people speak up, mm -hmm. the tougher it is to speak up. I fear that this is what you're talking about, that in this country, people, as they hang back, they are the silent church. Yeah. They make it more and more difficult for other believers to speak up. Right. And God is holding us accountable yes. because people are going to suffer as a result of this. Absolutely. And because you don't have to go back long time in history before our own eyes. Today in Europe, where all the churches that once packed with people, they're now tourists coming in. It's a, it's a museum. And so that's what's going to happen unless we in America lead, as we've done many times before, and uh, by God's grace and by God's power, by God's strength, that we can stand up and say, we're not here to condemn you, European, for failing, but we are here. We want to help you. We want you to stand with us so we can stand together. And I, I'm telling you, I had a, the joy of speaking with a country president. I mean, literally, he took me aside because we were in a small group. And he, and he said to me, he said, he said, why are these European leaders not seeing what we are seeing? Now, remember, he's a Muslim. And this is, this is the thing I try to communicate to people. This man is a devout Muslim. And he said, why can't they see the danger of political Islam that Europe risks uh, being dominated by the Muslim Brotherhood? And right now we're having the tension in the Islamic world about who is going to lead the next jihad. Who's going to lead that third jihad? Who's going to be the next caliphate? Of course, the man in Turkey wants to be the one. Erdogan wants to be the one. He actually wants to bring back the Ottoman Empire. Okay, and I just want to say to my fellow Americans that the idea that we can sleep and everything's okay and I can play golf and watch and, you know, well, things aren't great, but, but, yeah. but if we don't rise to this battle, right. I just want to say in the boldest terms, God will hold us responsible. This is the battle to which the Lord is calling us today. That's what I said to a group of British leaders. And I said, you know, I do not want my grandchildren 
long after I'm gone, to say, why didn't you say something? You knew about this. Why did grandfather who understood these things, why didn't he say something? That's why I'm speaking. Not only that, but I'm going to have the audience of one. When God is going to look me in the eye, why didn't you do something? Uh, I gave you the resources. I gave you the opportunities. And I think he's going to say that to all of us, not just me. And because a lot of people can say, yeah, 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 go, Michael, I'm way behind you. No, you need to be the one. Every one of us need to be the one who would take a stand and absolutely uncompromise the gospel truth. Okay, the, the key issue here is you just at the beginning of this program, you painted the picture of America 30 years from now. In other words, we will definitely look the way Europe looks now and worse right. if we don't do something about this. We will become the Islamic States of America. That is not, folks, this is not uh, nonsense. This is not fear-mongering. Unfortunately, I hate to say it, this is true. We are at a point now where if we don't do something about this, the third jihad is real. If we don't do something about this, we are going to lose everything. Our churches will become mosques in the United States of America. It chills me to say it, but it's why I'm here, uh, Dr. Youssef. I, I just um, I want to say that in 2050, which is a few years from now, we will have that in the United States for real. Most Americans have no idea. Right. And I just uh, saw again when I was in Europe back in November, the man who is the most dangerous man in England, very articulate, born in England, Chidori, who is well known, was in prison for a little bit because he influenced some of the terrorists. He was released when I was there. And I was talking to the leaders and I said, well, what's that? He said, it scares us half to death because he vowed that he will not rest until Buckingham Palace becomes a mosque and the ISIS flag is going to fly over Westminster. I mean, this man makes no apologies. And he comes on Fox News a lot here, uh, very well-known uh, lawyer, articulate man, and he is leading that third jihad. And he writes about it, he talks about it, very open about it, and absolutely no one seemed to be able to stand up and say, now, wait a minute, what's going on here? Why is he free to say what he say? But if you get a Christian evangelist standing on Hyde Park Corner, <laughs> he gets arrested speaking about Jesus. And so it is time for us to vote the right way and make sure that the candidates understand the score. And then that's just the part of our stewardship as citizens. Above all, our stewardship as believers is to not only pray, but to go out and actively evangelize. We have freedom to tell, so until now anyway, to tell Muslims, come to Christ, Jesus loves you. Who is doing this? The, uh, this is people. the thing. Yeah. This is the thing. We're in a war now. We're in a war for the souls of people whom God died for. Yeah. And we go, well, that's somebody else's job, or well, or well, or well. I, I really think that this is the, the curse mm. of prosperity, yeah. that in America, yeah. our eyes have been taken off of the ball. Yeah. God says the time is short. Yeah. God says, if you don't do these things, these things will happen. The Lord has been using you as a prophet, especially on this issue. So I hope you don't mind if I transition. Sure. Uh, we have some good news. Folks, how terrific is it that Dr. Youssef has taken everything we've talked about and much more and put it in a book form? In this book, The Third Jihad, it talks about everything in much greater detail, obviously, than we were able to cover right now. And you can get a copy of the book. Dr. Youssef, tell us about the book. 
Everything is documented. The term third jihad, uh, the term by 2050, the Islamic States of America. All of these are documented from the imams who have said these things, have written these things, not from evangelical pastors or, <laughs> or Christian believers. It's from their mouths that I am bringing this truth to the public so they know what's going on. Don't close your eyes. Don't close your eyes. Don't just say, well, you know, I'm glad Michael is doing it. No, you need to get involved. I think sometimes people think like, well, I can't do that or I can't do that. You don't have to do anything except what the Lord calls you to do. That's right. The Lord knows you better than you know yourself. He calls you to do something and whatever he calls each of us to do, he's prepared us and equipped us and will equip us to do, to speak to your neighbor, uh, to write a letter to the editor, whatever it is, to vote, to read this book, which I'm glad exists. I'm thrilled you've written this book uh, because honestly, we need to be educated on this. The time is so short. Dr. Youssef, um, I don't know anybody but you who has the background to give us the facts on this. Otherwise, it just sounds like fear mongering. This is real. This is true. My ultimate thing is Christians have to get radical. Absolutely. There's a joy yeah. in being radical for Jesus, mm-hmm. in being radical for the truth. In fact, the Lord created us to live that way. Absolutely. And if we're not living that way, we're not living as he made us to live. Absolutely. That's the joy of serving him. Yeah. Well, let me congratulate you since now I know you wrote a book on this subject. Yeah. Congratulations on the third jihad. Yeah. Uh, any, any final words before just, we go? hope and pray that every single person, not a percentage of those who are listening, would call and get this book. We're trying to make this book available to as many people as possible, so we are saying for a gift of any amount, so that we're not putting a price on it. It's in the bookstores, it's in Amazon, you can get it anywhere. But if you would call or write to us or get online, We want to get that book in your hand. And again, when you read this book, just like my friend who's a prominent Christian leader in England, he said, what persuaded me to know this is the truth is the documentation. This is not just an emotional book or fear-mongering book. Let me tell you something. I fear not anybody. I don't fear Islam. I don't fear all this homophobe and Islamophobe and all those terminologies don't affect me. I promise you that because I love Jesus and therefore he is the one who gives us courage, not courage that comes from ginning courage from within ourselves. If that was the case, I would be the greatest coward on the face of the earth. But only Jesus can give you that courage and he'll give it to you if you ask for it. And this book is going to help you. It's going to motivate you. It's not going to depress you. It's not going to discourage you. It's actually going to motivate you to be an active believer in the Lord Jesus Christ. The days of pew-warming Christians are over. Now it's time to act. Call or write. Get online. Get that book. And to end on the best note there is, anytime we're talking about Jesus, there is hope. This is good news. I I just want to say to folks that you hear all this stuff. At the end of the day, this is an opportunity, a glorious opportunity to participate in God's plan for America and for the world. Mm. This is what he calls us to. It's his plan that he has the victory through his church. And by participating in this, this is the greatest hope. Our hope is in Jesus. Mm. He is our only hope. We treasure that. We praise him for that. And uh, we thank you for listening and to knowing that God has a plan for you in this. Dr. Yusuf, thank you so much. God bless you. Thank you. 
You're listening to Leading the Way with Dr. Michael Youssef and a conversation with New York Times best-selling author Eric Metaxas about Dr. Youssef's brand new book, The Third Jihad. You can order this book right now when you give a gift of any amount to the ongoing ministry of Leading the Way. Here's how to learn more. Call 866-626-4356. That's 866-626-4356. Or online with your computer or your mobile device at ltw.org. That's ltw.org. Well, that music means that our time is gone for today. Please do join us again next time right here when Dr. Michael Youssef continues his series from the life-changing Book of Romans. It's called From Valley to Victory, right here on Leading the Way. This program is provided by Leading the Way with Dr. Michael Youssef. Connect with us through our YouTube channel, Facebook, Twitter, and all of our social media networks.